Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 98 of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast, the podcast that brings you backstage as close as you possibly can be, often while the shows are actually happening, to meet the people that make that theater happen. You can find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other fine podcast streaming services, and if you have a spare 30 seconds, please rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you use to help us be more discoverable to listeners who haven't heard about us yet. And now for this week's podcast. Our next guest you may have heard when I brought you the bonus episode of the podcast called Cargo way back in July 2016. Uh, I got to share the stage with Millie Thomas, who played Joey in that production of Cargo at the Arcola Theater. And it's no coincidence that a play concerning human trafficking in a dystopian future, taking its inspiration from the experiences of those in the Cali jungle, all the while with Brexit and the rise of Trump, uh, in the daily news, you know, as a background. Well, it's it's no coincidence that the company became extremely close, and we remain extremely close friends today. Uh, I have followed Millie's rise as a playwright and actor to be reckoned with. I mean, she's gone from success to success, uh, immediately following her star performance in Cargo with a sellout run of her play Dust uh, in, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, in, in which she, she wrote and, and starred in it and still stars in it today. Now, Millie doesn't pull any punches in either her acting or her writing, and Dust tackles the issue of depression and suicide head-on with no apologies. The issue of mental health um, and the stigmas surrounding it have been brought to the fore recently by the news of the suicides of uh, prominent musicians such as um, uh, Dolores O'Rourke from the Cranberries, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden and Avicii, as well as the, the highly public suicide of Robin Williams, um, and that that was just as shocking to those who knew him well uh, as to all of us who were just fans of a man who we all remember as someone who just did nothing but make us laugh. And watching a play about suicide where a young girl takes her own life, and there's no spoiler alert, it's, it's the start of the play. It starts the play. I mean, you wouldn't expect to laugh, but you do. And, and straight away, and that is the genius of Dust. Uh, which is currently running at Trafalgar Studios, too. Uh, this is a play that challenges you to keep watching, even though that, you know, what you are watching is so painful that it brings you to tears. And, you know, and why shouldn't you cry as well as laugh? You should, in my opinion, and that's why you need to go see the show, and that's why I really needed to talk to Millie. 
uh, and, and talk to her about the genesis of the show Dust um, and its journey to the West End from Edinburgh, you know, via Soho uh, Theatre and, and all of the emotions that are kind of contained within. And it, this is one of my favorite chats I've ever had. It's an utterly honest chat. It's one that I hope you will enjoy and and take as much from it as I did. And uh, uh, there's some swearing in this. So if you are listening in front of children, um, as well as the subject matter about taking one's life, it may not be suitable for them. But you know, if you're in the car with kids, maybe save this one for later. And if you're at work, get back to work, man. Anyway, have a listen. start do you want to start at the beginning do you want to start about the genesis of the play or like yeah i, I can know, do it's a, yeah I know it was Edin- edinburgh wasn't it Did yeah it, go to edinburgh? it was yeah it was edinburgh last year um and it was a weird one because i'd had the idea a very long time before mm. but i i'd been very frightened of the idea and i think because i knew that i was going to perform it i put it off and off and off and then i went up to the fringe in 2016 and I was looking at the row of, like, I was standing in front of a massive row of posters and I just thought that you have no excuse <laughs> for yours not being there. Like, pull your finger out. Yeah. It's just fear. And I think <clears throat> I did, I had a sort of mad year of doing things that really, really frightened me. And it was only like the following September when it was all, you know, when the show had been up and it was a success inverted commas that I suddenly sort of took a, took an out breath and was like, Oh, yeah. that was scary. I mean, listen, I have never done Edinburgh. I've produced a show at Edinburgh, never performed in a show at Edinburgh. I produced a show that, you know, uh, luckily had a big Hollywood actor in it. So it was quite easy and it was a one man show. So it was quite easy to sell because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the guardian and the Scotsman and everything they had, they did their interviews with them and it was fine. It was easy. I've also been up there as a theater goer and seen, you've just said, you know, um, you know, you use, why not? Why should, why shouldn't the, the dust poster be there? That's a hell of a leap. And, you know, we'll get into what the show is is to you and things, but especially with this show, which isn't like, come, this is a laugh riot, it's a comedy. You know, that's got to, that's even more of an achievement to have a success in inverted commas or whatever that word means to anybody at Edinburgh. Um, so, you know, not only did you take the plunge with going to Edinburgh with the show, but also this show. Um, how did you, in Edinburgh, because I know there are lots of people who do listen to the podcast who have had shows up there, how how did you rise to the top or, or you know, smash your way through the, the chatter, endless chatter up there? You know what? This is so, so unhelpful, <laughs> but I just don't know. <laughs> like, we had PR. Yeah. I'm, I'd be very, you know clear about that like we we work with chloe nelkin Mm -hmm. i think she's incredible and you know she's she's done nearly all of my plays thus far and so she gets me and knows my work and so was very willing to take a leap of faith when we didn't have a script going up on the train because it still wasn't finished Mm. but she was like she'd worked with me before so we have that shorthand which is great but then when we got there i think word of mouth really for the first few we'd 
we had we were nearly full for the first two performances then we had some reviews come out and the, the first review was a was a three star that really knocked my confidence mm. and i was a real <clears throat> wobble and then later that day a five star came out and i and it's it's, it's a very cynical game in Edinburgh you know yeah. the luxury I you hear actors in London all the time go darling I don't read reviews and you think well l- lucky you mm. you know when you're not doing your own well, yeah when you're your own agent yeah. PR producer yeah or, you, know, you know when you're a one man band, band, band yeah you cannot afford not to yeah of course so you've got to like you're absorbing all these potentially damaging things looking for the best pull quotes but at the same time knowing you've got to like pour yourself back into a bodysuit and go and do it again in a couple of hours. But I think then we just, we were selling out, we we were selling out like three days in advance. Mm. Um, or, and then, and then it was just sort of selling out night by night. And mm. then to the point where we were then completely sold out for the run. And it was a weird thing because I don't know if you heard this, we never got to finish it because the ceiling caved in. The ceiling of our venue caved oh, in. No. And no one told us. So then I went, I turned up to do the show. Yeah. And some guy went, I can't get in to see your show. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. Thinking, you know, we're talking about like I box know. office Woo-hoo. nonsense. No, lucky old me. Yeah. And he was like, no, your ceiling's caved in. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and he's like, it was a real shock. But I... So then it felt like this weird, incomplete thing because mm. in my ha- head I was sort of like, I've got two more of mm. this weird experience that sort of felt like a baptism of fire and sort of outing myself and also that weird thing where you're like, I say outing myself in the glibest sense in mm. terms of like, that's how it felt. That that was the only thing I could relate it to on the way up on the train. Yeah. It's like, if this isn't a smash success... I've basically let my parents know yeah. that I'm not doing okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was, yeah. that's how it felt, and yeah. I just felt full of guilt for yeah. that. But then I thought, that fear, that's why we need to make the show. That's why we have to. But it was still a, a feeling that I had to acknowledge nonetheless. Mm. But then, you know, so it was this weird, it was a really bittersweet month, because also it meant, speaking very frankly, we were doing well, which meant that no one really wanted to hang out with us <laughs> because the whole point that of Edinburgh is sense, yeah. you band together, yeah. right? I've yeah. done it. I've done it for years, years on end where you, you want to go and drink with the people yeah. who are also having a shit really time. Really suffering. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. then you go and have fun. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. then no one wanted to hang out. And then <laughs> I was single and trying to go on dates and then they were Googling the show and going... Oh, I'm actually busy. Oh, my Lord. And so it was a really weird, isolating Edinburgh where I was doing all these interviews for the PR thing. Mm. And then I had another play up there at the same time. So I'd never taken my own writing before. And then I took two plays at once. As you do. As you do. Mm. Which was nuts and really stupid. And I'd programmed them at the same time so that I couldn't go in and watch. Because then I thought, once I'm up in Edinburgh, I'm an actor. And that's what it's going to be. And then doing all these interviews... Well, I wasn't able to see the other show and we'd had to make loads of weird cuts. 
So then they were talking about a show I hadn't seen mm. that I had to sort of be like, oh yeah, no, that was a choice. That was a definite choice. Thinking, I've no idea what bit you mean. And I, I honestly think you should have like, we'll come back next July, Millie, and do or or June and do a what to do at Edinburgh or not to do. Oh Edinburgh. my god, that is its no, own thing, yeah, isn't it? I yeah. feel like. How did it, so when you came out? Did you think up there that I'm going to take this to Soho Theatre straight away or? I mean, did you... I was I was hoping that it would have a life beyond Edinburgh. I yeah. was really hoping for that. And we had... We were lucky we had offers. Um, but it wasn't, like, an open-shut decision. And it, it was that thing where, like... I think the hardest thing was because we were compared to Fleabag all the time. Yeah. And that happens inevitably because yeah. there's a lack of representation. Mm. So then any sort of vaguely posh white woman saying yeah. rude things yeah. every now and again is as far as they're concerned is Phoebe Waller-Bridge yeah. and so um, but then we also had to use that in our marketing because otherwise people weren't going to come oh, yeah, yeah. so then it's yeah. this weird thing of like you have to name we have to name, name names yeah. but at the same time no one wants to name names yeah. but then that meant that that was sort of the assumed trajectory for yeah. the show yeah. and I think it was the right decision because the space the, the space honoured the show in a mm. really lovely way. Yeah. I was saying, actually, I realised the other week that the more high profile the show has got, the closer the audience have got. Yeah. And it's really weird that they've got closer and closer. They're the close rooms. here. Yeah. <laughs> Whites of their eyes. <laughs> and it's just weird that the show has got, while it's got bigger, yeah. physically it's got smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. And beforehand it felt in edinburgh it felt very tomb-like in those caves yeah and ghostly and and drippy and cold and then soho it felt quite slick and here it feels almost unbearably intimate i mean this like technically let's go there as an actor have you had to tend to change you know how you approach alice like is it is there a way that because you can bring it right down. And you, you did. I mean, you know, yeah. I watched it last night. So, you know, I, I was able to. And there were just little asides that were so brilliantly just where it was like, oh, God, that was for me. And it wasn't for me. It was for everyone. But, but like, you know. Yeah, the thing is, here I can do that because yeah. I can see you all and I'm. I'm on, you're all on three sides and the mirrors at the back yeah. kind of make it almost like it's in the round. Yeah. And so it's a really. I have been able to bring it down and I feel like in Soho I didn't quite have that luxury and so a lot of the comedy felt very you know that thing it's that age old thing like you do it in drama school like you see it all the time like you get first year of drama school and you put kids on a massive stage and they're like oh but I'm gonna have to shout Mm. for them to hear me and then they're like, well, no, no, we're here to learn technique and we're here to learn all these really practical things so you can actually be heard in yeah. a cross-arch theatre right at the back but still say something with intensity or not feel like you're shouting. And I guess I sort of overcame that in Soho as a combination of either having like little to no technique but just Alice became really direct, I guess. Mm. And in Edinburgh you know, you are dealing with sound bleed because yeah, of the of nature course. of the game. Yeah, yeah. So it just, she was just very like, 
here I am, matter of fact, quite loud. This happened. Yeah, just that, yeah. that slight, yeah. you know, like, just that difference in, like, a conversational volume. And then, like, people who just, like, you know, like, they just talk. And it's really, really slightly jarring. But then it becomes almost like, I don't know, it... It almost feels quite calculated now to yeah. look back because it is funny. It's a funny way of talking. Yeah. And then you think, are you lulling the audience into a false sense of security? I don't know, in order to like rip the rug out from under them. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I'm trying to imagine. I didn't get to see it. So, look, okay, full disclosure, mm. you and I have previous. Yes. You know, <laughs> we have previous. Uh, you know, um, so I was coming to... You know, watch. I wanted to go watch it. Soho had plans to go, and you know, as as actors, as we, you know, something oh, always happens. Yeah, like literally something. Go ah, so I've got a gig filming. I was like, you I'm want late. a job? Book a holiday. Exactly, exactly. And um, so when this came back, so like, I'm not missing it. And you know, we got to come last night with some of the former colleagues. Um, I mean, we've heard you before. We did a podcast for Cargo. Yes. This was ages ago. So this is about two years down the line. Yeah. So, that would have been a month before I made the decision to write it. That's insane. That's insane. So, it, you know, I have, but knowing the space in Soho, now I see, I'm imagining Edinburgh and Soho now here. I just think this is a good fit. This is a good play for intimacy as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, I watched people lean in, which is incredible. Um, you know, I said at the beginning before we start recording, I'm not going to blow sunshine up your ass. Really. Even though we're <laughs> friends, I'm not going to do it. But I, I watch, I watch people leaning in, and when you have them leaning in in a space where it's this intimate, you know you cracked it. So, you know, when you when you went to write this piece, and we can talk as much about it, uh, the content, or the, as little as you like, um, you know. But it is a very challenging piece. It's very brutally open and honest and fearless in both its writing and execution um when you were writing it did you did you have it in your head that that's how you were going to portray it you know did you imagine it in a bigger space or in a in a space like this because it may again i'm going back to people leaning in in a space like this is a freaking achievement they're not just sitting back and going, okay, this play is happening. Literally leaning forward. I know people use literally all the time. Literally <laughs> leaning forward. It's, it's interesting, you know, it was such a tricky play to get out mm. that I just didn't think. Like, I honestly hadn't thought that far apart, uh, far ahead. Like, we, we looked at venues for Edinburgh and just thought, right, that one, like, here, let's rank them in order, just in terms of, like, actual capacity size what we're aiming for and then this will give us a sort of uh, something that feels sort of more theatrical with wing space it was literally that practical because I couldn't write it Mm -hmm. and I've never had writer's block like it but it you know I'd never had writer's block before I I'd never found it hard to write Mm. stuff I could always generate material I just couldn't edit for shit and so like (laughs) I found that really that found that tough and then it came to writing it I had no idea where it was going. It would come out of me like in ugly bursts Mm. and then I'd have to send it to Sarah, our director, and go, okay, well, here's this. But usually it was her emailing me saying, okay, I'm not freaking out. Like, clearly freaking out, but not. Like, I'm not freaking out. It's been a couple of days and I've heard nothing. 
I'm going to set you an exercise. Like, for an example, I wrote nine endings because I couldn't end it. I didn't know how to end it Mm. at all. And everything felt wrong. And it was such a overwhelming responsibility with a play like this and subject matter like this. You think how that last line of Mm. this play... Has got has got to be so important, mm. and it's got to say everything you want to stay, say while still feeling, you know, within the realm of the world, and and that freaked me out, yeah. and so I couldn't do it. I sobbed in Oaxaca one day, and this waitress <laughs> brought me a taco, and I wrote <laughs> like yeah, and like <laughs> nine endings, and I was like sat there like churning out all these endings, and I was, she was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "No, I'm not okay. I can't." I can't end this play. Yeah. But then it got it got to that point where I then handed everything over to Sarah and mm. basically went into that rehearsal room as though I were an actor for hire on a job. Yeah. Because I had no idea how it was going to look. Yeah. But it's hard to separate yourself. But like I didn't get a say in the design. Yeah. Like stuff like that, which I think is right. Right. Because I just thought I'm so in this that I uh, it's gonna you know. So I sort of. We it ate into rehearsal time, the script. We only had seven days. We had, we that had, just you that, know. That made my bumhole pucker. A little yeah, bit. it's terrible. It, like, it makes me feel sick <laughs> because, like, we that, literally were like just going through. The, we spent the first like three days of rehearsal, then actually refining the script, and yeah. then we did a we did a preview that was script in hand. And everyone was like, this is fucking brilliant. And I was like, oh, great. Such a relief. So happy. I hadn't I hadn't learned it because it, we were literally writing it up until that day. Yeah. I did it in jeans and a T-shirt with no set or lights. We just literally just walked around the space with the script in hand to a full house. Mm. And then someone took me aside and went, yeah, it was an hour and 20. <laughs> like, are you shitting me? Why did no one tell me that you let me, like, dance away in my little, like, reverie? And everyone sat there going, fuck, yeah. we've got to tell her. Yeah. She's got to lose 20 minutes for Edinburgh. Yeah. And it just became this. And then we got the joy of being able to put some of that back in yes. for Soho and then it here. So uh, it, does, it just feels like it feels felt. Mm. As an audience member, it was as long as it needed to be. Yeah, but that's that's a great thing. Any longer, you're like, get me out of this yeah. room. Oh, I'm saying, okay, so you know, listen, it is the, the you know the subject matter is the girl has taken her yes. love. Okay, and I mean that is apparent straight away. First lights up, you mm-hmm. know, and um, mm-hmm. and so the world you've created though is not this morose. You, you know, you there is a person. That that says that says oh hello, you yeah. Know, this is this is a person that has just performed this horrible act on themselves, like because they they you know well you find out why you know this the, the pain that they're in and the pain and the suffering and I mean yeah. I find I mean I it just it, it really did slay me and I'm it, it, and only because it was fucking true yeah, and, this, yeah, yeah. I don't, and um and I think that. You know, I don't think that people should be afraid of this play at all. I, I think that, mm. you know, it, it's a really a, a play that people should see. You know, challenge yourselves to come and see because it does speak the truth. And there is a person behind this pain. Um, it's really astonishing. Um, and I, I think with you, 
What I mean, I, I suppose the question I was I want to ask is like you know, you you mentioned that you you were kind of bearing on your parents might go oh my god my daughter's not okay, um, you know you have to get up there and perform this every night, and mm-hmm. and speak your truth and 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 lay it out there. When you set out to do it, you know, was there an end game for you, or were you just writing a play? Was this a what I guess the the, the short question is, was there a purpose to this play other than I need to get this out? Is it, I want to help people. I need to shine a light on this dark subject. I mean, that's... Yeah. Is that wanky? I don't know. No, no. And the, it isn't. And like, I think... It's a weird one because I think it is... There is a weird Venn diagram at play, I think, because of the nature of Edinburgh. I think if you take Edinburgh out of it, because Edinburgh ultimately is the single largest trade fair for our profession. Yeah. That's what it is. And I, yeah. I hate that it's that. <laughs> yeah. But that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And I I I think a, a lot of people assume that when you're doing a one woman show, it I you know, people call it a career move. And I find that very cynical. Mm. There's an element of truth to it, sure, because it was some it's a story that I wanted to tell in the plainest terms. It's a story I wanted to tell and it's something that had really bothered me. And I I don't really like doing stuff that doesn't like light a fire under my ass so like but then also I found I find the representation of suicide suicide ideation and depression Mm. in art and pop culture I find it abhorrent and romanticized and glamorized and gross and I really wanted to tell a story that didn't that 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 took that concept, the idea that you get to be this like sexy, you know, disembodied third person narrator in mm. your own life and and tip that on its head. And so that's why I'd said to people, she's she is dead, she's died. Because I find it irresponsible playing with this notion mm. of, of attempts. Yeah. Because attempts often do happen and they are often botched and they are often, you know, not they don't have the outcome that the original person making that attempt intended them to have. But if you see that on television, I'm not, you're never going to, the Samaritans taught me this. You're never going to make anyone feel fear suicide or feel suicidal in talking about suicide. If you ask someone, are you feeling suicidal? They, it is, it can often actually alleviate the worry because you've said it out loud. So yeah. suddenly it's not as large in your yeah. own head. It suddenly feels a lot smaller. That can happen and that's often the case. Yeah. But I just wanted to really, really look at that, I guess. Like, use the play to sort of. I hadn't seen anyone, and I hadn't seen any depressed characters on television that looked like, that looked like me or reminded me of me. Yeah. And while. I'm not Alice. There is a bit of Alice in me, yeah. but I'm not her. But I, it feels almost like the concept of being high functioning has passed the most, you know, most British television by. Yeah, it's great that somebody can, if they're feeling anything, if they need to hear or speak. I, I just think it's important. Really. I honestly think it's a, you've written a, a very important piece, and and you know, if, if I can, if I can ask. You know, in your own words, what do, when people come to see this, what would you like them to get? Or what what is when they leave? Because you know, I, I didn't leave upset. I didn't leave down. I didn't leave anything. I I was really uplifted. I felt 
a that great great. Oh, I'm pleased. I mean, I think what I really want is if the one the one takeaway I think is is please don't kill yourself. Yeah. It, it can't be the answer. You know, you're it, all that's happened is in 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 a in a person who has suicide ideation, mm. your mind and body are no longer working together. Your mind and your mind and body right. are no longer working as one. The disconnect is is real. Exactly. Real. And when our, when our fridge breaks, we buy a new fridge. Yeah. But when our mind ba- breaks, the mind tries to buy a new body, mm. and it doesn't work that way. And there's always suicide is the removal of hope like you've got no capacity for hope once that's happened and I I just really want us I guess to become more collective as a society with how we talk about it how we address it what we can actually do and being honest about what we can do like if you say to someone, "Oh, call me any time," and then they call you, and you're like, "Oh, but I'm having dinner," don't yeah. offer. Yeah. And it's really simple. It's really like if you're not well enough to listen, that's fine. It's re- it's just really, really practical stuff. Like what what can we practically do, and can we be more open about it, and can we? Because I think there is a lot of talk about stigma bashing and I do think that's important and removing the stigma means it's it's less likely to happen because we're talking about it. But we, we've got to listen as well. We can't just talk about talking. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, final question. Yes. Before I let you go. <laughs> um, is there life beyond Trevor 2, the dust? Watch this space. Oh, I, I, say I love that answer. I, love I yeah. Um, okay. I can final final question. Um, it, it, what should somebody do? Like, I think that's important to end this. Like, with what should somebody do? Like, okay. people should know. Okay, so there are different options. Um, you can always go to your local branch of Samaritans. Mm. I didn't know this, but they have they they do. Um, physical one-to-one sessions so essentially they're a walk-in um they operate as a a drop-in um and i had no idea that you could do that and that's i think a brilliant thing um also if you want to take yourself to your local a and e if that is an option Mm -hmm. if you're on your own and you don't feel it's an option um calling emailing texting the samaritans um, or someone on one 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 or in or um, nine 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 mm. um, to talk, um, and the reason I keep banging on about the Samaritans, well, we're partnered with them. I've been a service user in the past, and it doesn't have to be life or death. They're mm. always there to listen, and they they legally cannot give you any advice, so they can't tell you what to do, mm. but often. The fact that you you talking or you guys to having a conversation about something to not not to do with anything yeah. 
it can really just release that pressure valve and often make you feel well enough to a point where you might then be able to take yourself to A&E or take yourself into a session. Yeah. They are also completely confidential because I know stigma is still a huge thing. They never show up on your phone bill. Um, they don't even get your details in the office. If they wanted to call you back, they couldn't. Mm. All your details are scrambled on a screen before they get there, which I think is amazing. So that way they often they have that system in place for example say you're in an abusive relationship yeah. and you don't want to know it's not on yeah. your phone bill yeah. it's not there great so that's a good thing and um it's worth actually making on days where you are feeling okay making a list for yourself about what options you do have in place i know that sounds nuts but i started doing it i, I was on a flight i've not told anyone this i was on a flight <laughs> And the ladies started doing the safety demonstration. I ignore this every time. And, and today I'm going to listen. And I listened and I was like, ah, oh, okay. And I was like, why don't I have one of those for me? <laughs> where are all my exits? Where are my exits? Where are, my, where yeah. are all my things? Yeah. Just so that yeah. I know. Yeah. Because sod's law, that'll come round mm. and you're not well enough to do anything. Yeah. Well, we all need an oxygen mask from yeah. from time to time. Millie Thomas, you're amazing. Stop. <laughs> uh, come <laughs> see you, us. Yeah, no, we'll, I'll put all this in the show notes and put things in. And when when does the show finish? Thirteenth of October. Get down here, people. Seriously. Oh, thank you. Millie Thomas, there, actor and writer. Uh, of Dust uh, playing at the Trafalgar Studios 2 until the 13th of October. Now, before we wrap up, if you are a theater professional, head on over to curtaincallonline.com and sign up for a free profile page. All you have to do is create an account with an email address, make up a cool password, away you go. Start connecting, find jobs, find out about all kinds of shows, including Dust. Who worked on Dust? Go on curtaincallonline.com. Search up Dust. You'll find everyone who works on the show. Uh, you can follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Curtain Call. That's Curtain Call, all one word. We'd love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast. Get in touch with me via any of the social media platforms I just mentioned or write to me at john at curtaincallonline.com. And it just leaves me to say a huge thank you to Millie Thomas and all her peeps from Dust playing at the Trafalgar Studios until the 13th of October. Go see the show, guys. Like, it is vitally important. Visit the Trafalgar Studios website for tickets. And if if you struggle with depression or you know someone who does, please don't sit back and hope things will change. Give the Samaritans a call on 116-123 in the UK or 116-123 in the Republic of Ireland. They're there to listen, and talking is the solution. I will put all this information in the show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Curtain Call Theatre Podcast, and I will catch you all next week. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.